You're listening to a message from Redeemer Bible Church. We hope you'll visit us in person, or you can find more messages like this one at RedeemerBibleChurch.com. Well, good morning. It's great to be here, and it's great to see you, and I want to invite you, please, to turn in your Bibles uh, to Luke's Gospel and chapter 19, and if you're using one of the uh, Bibles in front of you, it's on page 8. Seven, eight, eight, seven, eight. Luke's Gospel and chapter 19. So uh, we were delighted to be able to receive uh, Jason and some of his companions from here uh, to visit us in Ireland. And so it's a great privilege for me. It's a thrill uh, to be able to come and meet with them again and also to meet the wider church family and to spend a few days uh, meeting different folk. Um, I'm certainly delighted and looking forward to coming back here tonight uh, to see the uh, video on the screen to find out what Ireland is like or what you think Ireland is like, and more importantly, to find out what I'm actually doing in Ireland because I don't know what I'm doing half the time. So it'll be interesting to find out what it is that I do. Uh, So come and join me as we discover the work in in Ireland and in the Cork area. Uh, So I'm going to read Luke 19, a familiar account uh, to many, I'm sure. Let's read it, then we'll pray, and then we'll get stuck into God's Word. So let's do that. He, that's Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, The half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. Father, you have heard our song of prayer that you would speak, O Lord, into our hearts individually and corporately together as your gathered people. Many voices we listen to, many words we hear that we cannot trust that cannot change us or transform us or give us life. 
But yet this word that you have spoken and have written for us is your words of life, life for us today. And we pray that not one of us would leave this building without being changed and transformed more into your likeness, more to see your world as you see it, and that we would become those who are not just lost and found, but together go into a world that needs to know the Savior and be welcomed into your kingdom. So help us now, we pray, by your Holy Spirit's power we ask, in Jesus' name. Amen. Ced Mila Folche. Well, if ever you come to Ireland, you will be greeted by a large sign in Dublin Airport that says Ced Mila Folche, which means? Well, it's Irish for a hundred thousand welcomes. And similarly, yesterday as I arrived at Passport Control, there was a big TV screen that read, Pledge to Travellers. This is what it said. We pledge to cordially greet and welcome you to the United States. And of course, as I arrived into Bill and Cindy's home, welcome, Johnny. Please make yourself at home. Because being welcomed is so important, whatever our culture or our background. When we are welcomed in, it is a sign of acceptance and belonging. And in our text this morning, we have received a Ced Mila Folger. We have been given a great big welcome. Have a look at verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus is passing through Jericho because he's going somewhere else. So, so where's Jesus off to? Well, just flick back a page to chapter 18, verse 31, the top of your page actually, verse 31 of chapter 18. And Jesus, taking the twelve, said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus is going through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem and to the cross. Because at the cross, Jesus is going to die for his people so that they can be forgiven, so that they can be accepted. And on his way to the cross, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is inviting people, welcoming people, because chapter 9, verse 19, verse 10 for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now in Luke's gospel, there are two, broadly, there are two kinds of people. There on the one hand, there are the outsiders, 
those who are morally broken, spiritually unclean, people who sit on the edges of society. They're represented in Luke by the physically sick, the unwanted and and the abandoned. The outsiders are not welcomed. They are judged and condemned. And then on the other side, we've got the outsiders, but we've also got the insiders, those who view themselves as morally good and spiritually pure, people who are considered important. They're represented by the religious elites, the wealthy and the powerful. But Luke's big surprise as we read through his account is that from Jesus' perspective, the outsiders are in and the insiders are out. You see, it's not the religious respectable who are welcomed and saved, but it's those who accept and welcome Jesus. Now that's a challenge for all of us. And a question we can ask is, are we insiders or outsiders? At one level, we can say we're all outsiders. Because of our sin, because we've rejected God, because of our rebellion, we're outside of God's kingdom, facing His just judgment, an eternity without Him, hell itself. However, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have been invited into God's eternal kingdom. And as we welcome Jesus, the Savior, He welcomes us. And the evidence that we have been welcomed from the outside in is that we now welcome the outsiders in. Did you get that? The evidence that we have been welcomed from the outside in is that we now welcome outsiders in. If God has reached out to sinners like us, we too will reach out to seek and save the lost. If we've experienced God's grace and forgiveness, then we too will treat others in grace. How we respond to the foreigner, the refugee, the ostracized is a sign of whether we have truly welcomed Jesus. So let's see how all this is true as we look at the account of Zacchaeus. Three big things we're going to look at this morning from this text Um, I'll name them as we go through so you can follow along. The first is Jesus welcomes the lost. Jesus welcomes the lost. Three things we're going to say under this. First, let's look at the lost. Verse 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means righteous one, but he really lived nothing like it. Despicable one would be a better title for him. He was a chief tax collector who was rich. Now, when you think of tax collector, think scum, lowlife. 
They worked for the enemy, the occupying Roman authorities. The job of the tax collector was to collect tax from anybody who was coming into the city to do trade. And as the chief tax collector, Zacchaeus was to oversee the whole region. But what was worse than just working for the enemy was the way they made their money. They charged more people and kept a large percentage for themselves. And if anyone disagreed or you questioned them, well, you just went and told the Romans and you don't want to mess with them. Zacchaeus may have been hated by the people, but it made him a very, very wealthy man. But for all his wealth, his position, and his power, he is not content. This guy is lost. Money he has, but he's not satisfied. Power he has, but he's not fulfilled. Have a look at verse 3. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. It's not about what Jesus looks like. It's what Jesus could do for him. For Zacchaeus, his life is is empty. He has a need that his money can't buy. So at the end of verse 3, On account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small in stature. Zacchaeus was was used to looking down on people because of his position and power. But once he's in the crowd with the rest of the people, we begin to see Zacchaeus as he really is. He's not just small in stature. He's small in himself. He's nothing. He has nothing. He's lost. Let's look at the welcome. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. Now when we read that, we often think he's trying to make himself visible to Jesus. Maybe that was the way you saw it in your Sunday school classes. Climb up high, can't see him, maybe Jesus will will see me. But remember, he's the chief tax collector, hated by all the people. Jesus would want nothing to do with people like him, so he thought. The point is, he's hiding himself. He wants to see Jesus, but he's wanting to hide himself. He will be able to see Jesus as he comes along, but he thinks Jesus can't see him. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. What what a surprise. What a, a welcome to have received Come down, Zacchaeus. I must stay at your house. Now, normally it's the other way around, isn't it? Normally you welcome people to your own house. But here, Jesus flips that on its head and he welcomes himself to Zacchaeus' house. You see, it's not 
that Zacchaeus is seeking out Jesus, Jesus is seeking out Zacchaeus because, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I have come to welcome you. Let's look at the grace. Verse 7. And when they all saw it, when they saw the way Jesus had responded to Zacchaeus, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. You can't welcome people like that. This shouldn't happen. He's a cheating thief. He's a lowlife and a scumbag. Rather than be welcome, he needs to be condemned. Rather than grace, he needs to be punished. Now, this is not the first time people have objected to Jesus' welcome. Keep your finger in Luke 19 and jump back to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Luke 15 verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes, these were the religious elites, the so-called insiders, grumbled, saying, this man receives or welcomes sinners and eats with them. And in response, Jesus tells three stories to explain that, well, the reason he has come is to seek and save The lost, sinners, people like Zacchaeus, people like you and me. Look at the account of the lost son. We'll pick it up in verse 20. So the son who had run off and squandered everything, wished that his father was dead and took his money and cleared off. Verse 20, the son, he arose and came to his father But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to them, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, a sign of acceptance and and welcome and forgiveness. And, And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Back to chapter 19. Now that is good news, isn't it? Good news when we hear it and when it is applied to us. 
We love to hear that account and that story when we fall and fail and slip up and we're in need of grace. But what about when this is applied to others? How would you feel about Jesus welcoming, well, that foul-mouthed, womanizing guy who you have to work with every single day? Or that neighbor whose kids are bullies and always causing trouble with your kids? Or that person who's always getting into financial trouble and coming looking for help because of their sinful choices and they're always messing up and never getting it right? You can't welcome people like that. This shouldn't happen. They're, they're low life. They've, they've had their chances. Rather than be welcomed, well, he needs to be condemned. Rather than grace being shown, she needs to be punished and shown a thing or two. Well, Jesus came for lost people like our work colleagues and our neighbors. And he came for lost people like me and like you. You see, unless we first see ourselves as lost, as long as we see ourselves as better than others, we will never really fully experience the welcome of Jesus. So first, Jesus welcomes the lost. Second big heading, the lost welcome Jesus. The lost welcome Jesus. Again, three things. First, let's look at the welcome. Look how Zacchaeus responds to Jesus. We'll pick it up at the end of verse 5. Jesus calls out, Zacchaeus, hurry And come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. When Jesus says he must stay at Zacchaeus' house, it literally means to, to lodge. He's not just popping in for a cup of tea for five minutes. Jesus needs a place to stay. It's the same idea we get back at the beginning of Luke where Mary and Joseph are looking for somewhere to lodge. They needed somewhere to stay. You see, Jesus has come seeking those who will welcome him and receive him. So not only does Zacchaeus welcome Jesus to his house, in effect, Zacchaeus is welcoming Jesus into his life. He's obeying the call to follow Jesus. He came down. Some translations, he came down at once, an immediate response of obedience. He is now turning to follow the priorities of Jesus. No longer is he asking, what do I want to get out of people? But what does, what does Jesus desire of me? Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus. But also look at the joy as he welcomes Jesus, verse 6. He hurried and came down and received or welcomed Jesus 
joyfully. Welcoming Jesus is not a drudgery, it's a delight, it's a joy. No longer does he have to hide from Jesus. He can welcome him gladly. The fear, the guilt, the shame, it's it's all gone. In its place is now acceptance, belonging, and salvation. You see, when we welcome Jesus, when we receive him as Savior, we are truly filled and satisfied. We experience forgiveness of all our sin all our guilt and shame, all those secret hidden failures that we desperately want people to never know about. Zacchaeus may lose his power and position, but he has now gained new life and eternal treasures. It's joy, not judgment. It's celebration, not condemnation. And look at the transformation that takes place when we welcome Jesus. Verse 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. What a transformation. His whole life has been turned upside down. Right now, he says, I gave half of my possessions, all that I've got, half of it, to the poor. No questions about how they use it, just to the poor. I will pay back four times the amount to anyone I have cheated and stolen from. Immediate transformation. No longer is Zacchaeus a lying, greedy, lowlife. He is a joyful, generous, giving child of God. You see, it's impossible for us to welcome Jesus, receive Jesus, and stay the same. He transforms us into generous givers who have a heart for those who are needy, those who are poor, those who are in need of help. And what Jesus has done for Zacchaeus, he can do for you and for me. We might not experience Jesus literally walking into our physical homes, but he does promise to come into our lives and transform us and change us, doesn't he? Remember John's account of the gospel? Jesus makes this promise to all who will receive him. John 14, verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. The Father and the Son, by the Holy Spirit, taking up residence in our lives, God will come to live in us, move in with us, make us our home. And by his spirit, he changes us and transforms us to obey Jesus and to live for his glory. Giving us brand new desires and new loves. 
Did you see how this all happens? Jesus doesn't ask Zacchaeus to first clean up his life and look, Zacchaeus, you know, do all that giving to the poor stuff first and when I see that you've done that, then I'll come and stay in your house. No. Look what Jesus says. I must stay at your house today. And that affects the change in his life. You see, God never ever asks us to change first. He takes up residence in our life first, and that's what leads to the change. If we have welcomed Jesus, we will see ongoing radical change in our life, being transformed more into his likeness. That is something worth being joyful about, worth celebrating. So, Jesus welcomes the lost. The lost welcome Jesus. And then third, the welcomed welcome others. The welcomed welcome others. This account of Zacchaeus is, well, it's really surprising. We can understand Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus, but Jesus wanting to stay with Zacchaeus? He's a notorious thief and a traitor. You could never trust him. He spends his time lying and cheating. Everyone hates him. He deserves condemnation, not salvation. But look at Jesus' words, verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. Jesus makes a public declaration, I accept him. I welcome him because he welcomes me. Galatians 3 verse 7 helps us understand this a little bit more. Where it says, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. The simple act of Trusting obedience, looking to Jesus, accepting that his welcome of him is enough. How how can Jesus do that? I mean, look at his life, look at his past, look at everything that he's done, and immediately it's wiped out. You're welcome, Zacchaeus. How, How can he be so outrageous to do that? Well, look again at verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now verse 10 summarizes, if if you like, the whole account of Luke's gospel. This is what Jesus is all about. He's come to welcome those who we think should be excluded and written off. Again, let's, let's look at verse 10 closely. He says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Son of man, that's, that's a title that was given to someone who is to come before God. Again, keep your finger there in, in, in chapter 19 and jump back to Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7, which is on page 744. 7, 
4, 4, Daniel chapter 7. So, Son of Man is a title that Jesus used of himself. And it speaks of one coming before God. We'll pick it up in verse 13. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. So Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, to God Almighty, and was presented before him. And to him, to the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom one that will not be destroyed. Go back to chapter 19. And as Jesus comes to this crowd, as he comes to Zacchaeus, as he speaks to the people, Jesus assumes that title. He comes claiming to be the Son of Man, the one with absolute power and supreme authority. And the expectation is of the people through the years is that when this Son of Man would come, well, he would use his power and authority to clean up all the mess and get rid of all the vile people, judge the sinners, condemn the sinners, all those criminals, lock them up. Those who contribute to the who don't contribute to the state, let's get rid of them. The sexually immoral, let's sort them all out. But what do we see Jesus doing? Sitting down, eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners. We see him going to stay in the house of a notorious sinner like Zacchaeus. But more than that, the Son of Man rather than one who takes life, comes to give his own life. Remember chapter 19, verse 1? This son of man is on his way to where? To Jerusalem. To die on the cross. As one writer poetically put it, the only reason Zacchaeus could come down from his tree was because Jesus climbed his own tree. And quoting 1 Peter 2, he himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. The only reason Zacchaeus could be welcomed by Jesus was because Jesus took the penalty of Zacchaeus' sin. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost by going to the cross to die in our place. Look, if Jesus has welcomed you, and if you have welcomed Jesus, then we will be the kind of people who welcome others. Rather than judge, we will show mercy. Instead of condemning, we offer grace. Like Jesus, we seek and save the lost. We sit down with sinners, people just like us. 
We eat and we drink with them and we offer to them the welcome of Jesus. As we finish, let's just think through very briefly what this will look like to welcome others. Let me just give two practical ways we can welcome. Number one, offer hospitality. God has all given to us homes. We've come from nice homes. We're going back to our nice warm homes. Homes that are not just for us, but gifts from God so that we can invite people. Everyone loves to sit down and eat good food. I enjoyed good food last night. Nothing better than to sit around a table, stuff your face, and have good fun and good chat. You don't have to be a great cook. You don't have to be the world's best chef. Take out pizza works just as well. You don't have to have a spotless clean house. You can sit in the couch with all the mess and all the rest. Invite people to your home. People who are not yet believers. And if you don't know anybody who's not yet a believer, start getting to know them. Eat food with them. Share your life with them. Welcome that outsider who you work with, that ostracized person that nobody likes talking to in your neighborhood. Invite them in. Build relationships and offer to them the true welcome of Jesus. Offer hospitality. Number two, invite people to your church family, to your gathering. Now, I get it. Inviting people to church is a really scary thing to do because you know that if you invite someone, you're thinking, what on earth is somebody going to say to them? They'll just put their foot right in it. Well, remember the conditions Jesus had on going to Zacchaeus' house. Remember that list of conditions? There were no conditions, were there? We don't insist that people change before coming to church. We welcome people as they are, no matter their background, no matter their race, no matter their religion, no matter how they may fail or fall. No conditions. Remember, Jesus receives. He welcomes us, and the change follows after. Like Jesus, may we all sit down with sinners, People just like you and me. Let us eat and drink with them and offer the true welcome of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we think of that account of the lost son, and the welcome of the father, embracing, forgiving. And we thank you, Father God, that in Jesus Christ, you have shown grace in abundance and mercy, and you have welcomed us, forgiven us of all our sin. And we ask that you would go on changing us from the inside out, so that we become more like Jesus.
that we have a heart for the lost, that we see people as you see people, and we extend an embrace and a welcome and point people to the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Help us to do that. Change us so that we want to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.